Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd. He was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Alex, we'll just call it 87.5. This is kind of just a side note episode. We wanted to give our reactions to today's results of the 2023 MLB Hall of Fame class, the announcements, uh, see exactly our reactions on certain players, how they're trending, if it's downwards or upwards. Uh, Talk about the players that are basically one and done went into this ballot, but unfortunately did not get the 5% and will be exiting this ballot. And then, of course, cover some of the 2024 first-year candidates. But let's kick it off, Alex. Our reaction so far, me and you last night when we both recorded this episode, the episode prior, we basically were, were, were pretty confident that we were only going to see just one guy get uh, inducted in July, and that was going to be Fred McGriff. Sorely, we were wrong. Uh, there, I, would, I would say it's a good thing. It's a good we thing, wrong. though. It is a very good thing. I, I mean, a, a big surprise and a big kudos. The voters actually went out and gave this guy enough votes to get in. But uh, Mr. Scott Rowland will be joining Fred McGriff in July in Cooperstown for the induction ceremony. Scott Rowland, he received 76.3% of the vote that gets him above 75, that gets him in. It is his sixth year sixth year on the ballot. Um, and I think, Alex, today he actually made history. He was one of the lowest vote-getters in year one the lowest so to far, yeah. make the Hall of Fame. I think in his, in his inaugural um, ballot season or ballot year, it was like a 10% of the vote he got. And then you just see a climb every single year. In the last couple of years, he's really gotten a big boost with, I think, a lot of names coming off the ballot. A lot of guys are giving more focus towards guys like Scott Rowland, Helton, Wagner, Andrew Jones. We'll cover some of those guys. But uh, it's really nice to see that some of these guys are are, are getting the um, the recognition they deserve, and 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 voters can actually focus on some of these guys who had really really nice careers. So Scott Rowland is going to be in the Hall of Fame, joining Fred McGriff, two guys getting in um, at at different points of their I guess their ballot cycle or their retirement cycle. Fred McGriff went through the ten years on the ballot, did not get in. He got in through a um, a players and a basically just a, a committee of voters that come together and are it's a combination i think of owners some media guys and posts or, or retired emily players yep. that all get together and vote on some of these guys so um fred mcgriff got in that way scott Rowland got in the traditional way sixth year on the ballot he's now in alex give me your thoughts so far when you heard the news yeah i was pleasantly surprised i i didn't think it would happen this year but he was trending in definitely the right direction to get in eventually. I think one of the bigger surprises for me, Travis, is just knowing that he went from 10% in year one to getting in in year six. To me, that's just like what an insane turnaround and, yes. and the, the traction he gained and people kind of slowly being won over by his case. And for me, Travis, it gives some hope to the guys that we see. You know, when we see a guy with like 9 or 8%, Travis, we kind of assume in the back of our mind they have no chance, yeah. right? But the fact that Roland made that kind of turnaround in just six years, you know, why couldn't someone like, we'll talk about him later, but like a K-Rod has like 10% or something. Why couldn't he get in, in 10 years from now, right? Like it, it opens up the door for some of these guys who are in like the teens, Um of percentage they could definitely turn things around gain you know like 10 percent a year and then by you know year seven eight nine they're right there on the door so um i think it's promising for other guys in the ballot but just to focus on rolling a little bit longer um obviously we both believed he deserved it we kind of discussed that in the last episode a little bit um yeah his his his, uh his stats when you compare it to other hall of fame third basemen um, you know, the value is right there with them. He has, you know, more career war than guys like Edgar Martinez, uh, home run Baker, uh, many other hall of famers that, um, are from, you know, years past, like almost like historic MLB players. And uh, it always, it always irks me when people hold like the hall of fame to such a high standard. And, um, I, I see this quote, Travis bounce around and someone says, if I have to even debate it in my mind, then I can't vote for them because <laughs> because they, they think a Hall of Famer should be 
an obvious circle. an obvious yeah. yes yeah. like like if i'm not like oh boom he's a hall of famer then if there if you have to have a, a mental debate about it and do some gymnastics then they don't like that and i think that's a really bad philosophy because in my opinion i really value um taking deep dives so you and i like digging into the numbers figuring out okay what is the case for and against this player and we both thought that the roland had a very solid case there's tons of third basemen with much worse uh you know i guess stat lines in their career that are in and he is you know such a solid uh bat with a elite defense at third base um some of the best defensive war from a third baseman it looks like he's sixth um, all time in defensive war on baseball reference for third baseman. Um, Aaron will probably pass him in a couple years here, but um, he's he's ahead of Schmidt, which Schmidt is kind of always considered as one of the better defensive third baseman of all time, possibly yep. the best overall third baseman of all time. And then if you go by war, he's tenth in war all time. He is a tenth in Jaws all time. Uh, Jaws being a combination of war and war seven. So. Uh, it, it just to me says Travis this guy is probably around the 10th best uh, third baseman of all time and that's a Hall of Famer right yeah, if you're the yeah. top 10 of your position if you're 10th or 11th best for me you're a Hall of Famer and anyone who kind of I guess disagreed you know I, I guess I'm glad that the people who disagreed um, the number kind of shrunk and shrunk and shrunk but um, I, I guess in my opinion I think that uh if, if you did disagree with him being a Hall of Famer, you, you should take a closer look at some of the value he provided year in and year out for those Phillies and Cardinals teams. Um, one little inkling, Travis, it is pretty crazy to me how much of the... I feel like, I'll put it this way, if you could put some guys on the ballot again, they would do so much better than they... If, if they're on the ballot these days. Like Jim Edmonds is an example, Travis, yeah. where Jim Edmonds, if you compare his career... To like Andrew Jones or Scott Rowland, different position, obviously, but like I think very similar kind of value and production, at least in their primes and and some some similar longevity stats. And um, he was a one and done. And and guys like Andrew Jones now have really um, climbed up the percentages. And 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 I would agree. You and I would both agree that he deserves that. But there's other guys from the past that kind of deserve that that love, and and they didn't get it because they were on the ballot a bit earlier. And I think the mindset of the average MLB fan and the average MLB uh, reporter and media member that has these votes, I think it's slightly shifting, right? It's becoming it a bit more modern every year. And we'll get to that a little bit more when we talk about the other guys who receive some increases in their vote total. But I guess give me your other your initial reaction when you saw, oh, Roland actually did make it. Oh, we were wrong about that. Yeah, and, and pointing out guys that I think were Edmonds being a one and done. I believe also Kenny Lofton was a one and done. You know, Kenny Lofton, looking at his, his numbers right now, a 68.4 career baseball reference war he's not a power hitting guy he's not an extra base hitting guy he's a single slap hitter kind of guy a career 299 average and that guy is a one and done where you look at basically he has a 1.5 uh less war than a guy like rollins and rollins is now in the hall of fame lofton of course is not in the hall of fame uh, and is not on the ballot anymore. And then, of course, with Edmonds, Edmonds, almost the same exact war as a Bobby Abreu, but he played center field and he has an OPS career OPS above 900. And I think it's like 390 home runs or something like that. So insanely good power hitting numbers at the center field spot. But going back to Rollin, um, you know, I, 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 I think I told everybody last episode, but you know, like two to three years ago, I wasn't even too high on this guy, just looking at the way he was tracking. And then, um, you know, I think just from from also looking at, you know, how I remembered him as a Cincinnati Red, majority of when I when I saw most of his time playing, um, you know, it was good, but it wasn't at all like, oh, this this guy is just a big wow. Like he is going to he, he is showcasing just elite skills out there, much like an Alex Rodriguez or, um, you know, I'm trying to think of other third basemen that I, I probably had, you know, more of a fondness for. But, you know, Alex Rodriguez, there was just no question about it. He was the best player out there at third base. And, and you know, Roland was someone that was probably always in kind of the background. But he was always in the background every single season. He's always knocking on the doorstep. You know, I always say if someone were to win, if someone were to win the MVP once and then never be relevant again, I, and then another guy were to get top five in MVP, MVP voting 10 years of his career. I'd almost look at that and say, man, you were you were right there every single season. Yeah, you might not have had the season, but, uh, you know, just the consistency was there. And that, that's Hall of Fame worthy. But um, 
Rowan was a uh, was a, just a terrific all around player. I, I didn't realize today, but then they were they were talking a lot about him on MLB Network. But the guy is six five. The guy's six five playing third base. Some of the uh, some of the other players that had played with him had said, you know, they had never seen a third baseman of this stature. They've never seen someone look and um, and and just be this big. I, I guess they also uh, he was like the the fifth. It was like the fifth third baseman in history to be like over 245 pounds or 250 pounds, which is kind of funny as well. Just He's just a big guy that should be playing corner outfield or should be playing first base, but he's at the hot corner and he's one of the best defensive third basemen in, in baseball history. So um, again, a kudos to him. I, I'm really happy he got in. I was hoping it would get in this year or next year. Um, I was I was definitely thinking next year would be a for sure shoe in, but the voters came out this time and and really represented. And like you said, it, it's it's nice to see a lot of these guys um, getting uh, an increase in votes in this in this, you know, this time around. I, I think we only had one guy that is not in his second year go down in votes, and that's Omar Vizquel. We'll get into kind of the the um, how certain players are trending. But I mean, every single player we saw an increase in in voting from 2022 to 2023. So guys are getting a little bit more traction. I think with this year's first years on the ballot, I think it was pretty simple and easy, Alex, that you weren't going to vote for a lot of the guys. They just weren't Hall of Famers. You look at the stats, you look at the primes, you look at maybe the key, the whole entire career as a whole. A lot of it just didn't really scream Hall of Fame. So I, I feel like this year's first year class was was pretty easy to get out of the um, get off the ballot, at least. Um, and we'll take a dive into next year's ballot where it'll be a little bit trickier. But I think that a lot of guys had uh, had time to focus on some of these other guys and say, you know, I'm going to give this guy more of a thought. And we saw a lot of these guys get an increase in votes. So um, kudos to Scott Rowland. Again, he'll be joining Fred McGriff in July in Cooperstown for the induction. Um, but Alex, let's kind of dive into, I guess, some of the players that are still on the ballot, still searching for that 75%. Um, and I'll kind of go through it as the uh, as basically the top vote getters. But uh, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, Andrew Jones, we saw, and actually, you know, I'll throw in there, I'll throw Gary Sheffield, which is a huge, huge surprise. We we talked about Gary Sheffield yesterday. We were not really too fond of him just because of the uh, steroids or he was alleged to have taken steroids. And there was just a lot of just, you know, just a lot of just mixed, you know, uh, facts and, and, and just mixed mixed information with that. I mean, from the size of Gary Sheffield, looking at him uh, when he played in the 90s, it definitely it almost from an eye test. It looked like the guy was doing something uh, to, to keep his body in really good shape because, I mean, the, the thighs and just the 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 forearms were just massive for Gary Sheffield. But um, he actually received a 14.4 percent boost in this year's uh, ballot, which is again, a really crazy boost for a guy like that. Well, I don't think anyone really saw that going. But Andrew Jones went from a 41 to now a 58. So he received about a 16 percent boost. Billy Wagner went from 51% to 68%. So he got a 17, about a 17% boost. And then Todd Helton, a 52% now to a 72.2. So, I mean, Alex, right now, we're already looking at guys like Wagner and Helton next year knocking on the door to the Hall of Fame. I think Todd Helton was, I, I think he was like 11 votes shy of Something reaching like the 75%. And it's funny because... Earlier today, there, of course, are, you know, different sites or, you know, Twitter will release, you know, oh, here are the 200 ballots we know of. And here's kind of what we already see. I think Helton was at like the 80 uh, percent uh, percent of the vote on those early ballots that have already been basically recognized and, and people are already starting to count them and make them public, at least. Um, it happens every year where you get a lot of guys get um, higher than the votes they actually do receive just because certain guys that want to share their their votes. um it's just a trend that I think always happens. And, and but but going back to Todd Helton, he received a 20 percent, uh, you know, increase and Billy Wagner receiving a 17 percent increase. Um, I mean, let's talk about those kind of four players first, Alex. Uh, we 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 love that, I think, so far, at least you and me, Helton and Wagner, we both would vote for them every single time. They received a huge boost. And what's really nice is ne Wagner next year will be in year nine. So he has two more years left to basically get what seven percent of the vote uh a seven percent increase into the hall of fame it looks like everything is going that way but give me your thoughts so far on those increases with helton wagner jones and sheffield 
all very promising for those guys' case to get in the Hall of Fame, um, especially for Helton and Wagner being, like you said, so close, knocking on the door for the next uh, ballot. Uh, you know, we love to see that, right? We, we like both those guys' cases to make the Hall of Fame. Um, I, I always thought that Helton would get in just based on his, his trajectory, but Wagner is someone who I think was a bit more on the fence on in terms of I really wanted him to get in, but wasn't sure if the voters would come around because they've been so anti-closer. But I think that um, the social media era, Travis, people just keep pumping out these like really crazy yeah. stats. We constantly see, see stuff on Twitter this time of year about like, oh, did you guys know that like Todd Helton in like his two peak years had like, you know, 200 total bases or, you know, just like all these kind of crazy or sorry, 200 extra base hits, like just all these crazy numbers. And I um, urge you, if you go to baseball reference, basically just just um, just combine or, or look at Todd Helton's 20 or 2000 season, the 2005 season. If you combine those, you know, four or five years I mean, just look at that. Just look at those numbers. They're 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 insane. It, it, it's it's like a video game created player that you just. I don't think I can even be on that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, rookie rookie status. Yeah, and uh, so he's someone Terrace were super high on. Then Wagner is someone who uh, I was making cases on the last episode for um, him possibly being the second best uh, closer of all time on a rate basis after Mariano. Uh, I think his peak is amazing. Um, he had good longevity. He just didn't pitch into his 40s like Mariano did. So, like, some of the counting stats aren't nearly as good. But he still has elite strikeout numbers, both percentage and in terms of counting stats. Um, good ERA, FIP, all that good stuff. So, lots to like about Wagner's case. Glad he's getting the traction that I think he deserves. Jones, Travis, someone who uh, you you said you would vote for him, correct? I would vote for him, yeah. Yeah, yesterday we both liked his case. The defense is something that I think was – everyone knew he was a good defender, but – um, I think looking at the, some of the more modern numbers, you really get a sense of him being one of the best uh, defensive center fielders of all time. And if you're one of the best defensive center fielders, that means you're probably one of the best defenders mm-hmm. of all time in all of the sport. And because of that, combined with his speed tool and his power tool, um, it's definitely enough, I think, to get him um, at least very close into the Hall of Fame. We'll see how the next couple of years treat him and his uh, attempt to make further gains. Um, and then Sheffield Travis, uh, we both weren't super hot on him uh, because of the, the, the ties to PEDs. Um, you know, it's one of these guys who never tested positive but has um, some associations there. So it's going to be one of these tricky things. That I do wonder. I, I, I've always thought, Travis, that with time, people will care less and less. Like, I, like once you get to a point where most of the of the writers didn't actually ever interview Barry Bonds, you know, yeah. they're going to stop kind of caring about, you know, his attitude towards the media and like um, they might start to understand the context of the era that like, I mean, w- one of the biggest things for me, Travis, is that the commissioner during the steroid era, Bud Selig, is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So it's like yeah. he benefited because the league benefited during that time the league had a big influx of viewership and money and it was a big growth period obviously the summer of 98 was a really big deal for the league it kind of saved baseball some people say so the steroid era i think the context will continue to change and um, guys who have steroid ties will only benefit with time in terms of their hall of fame case so i'm not sure if sheffield ends up squeaking in especially because you know there's not this like confirmation about it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas bonds, even though bonds also never tested positive, um, you just kind of know it's one of these things where everyone just kind of knows, but you don't, um, have the evidence, I guess, but, um, the voters feel like their minds are made up on bonds. And, um, e- even Manny didn't make the gains that Sheffield did because we all know Manny failed tests, you know? Yeah. So, um, Sheffield was going to, he's going to be interesting. Travis. I, I, I could see him getting in, which would surprise me, honestly, just because, uh, I think if there's ever a shadow of a steroid assumption, and, I, and I, if I'm not mistaken, he did admit that he took them by accident, mm-hmm. um, or, or or maybe he didn't take them by accident, but I, whatever it was, like he he didn't know what it was, or, or whatever it might be, a trainer gave it to him, blah blah blah. But um, at the end of the day, uh, that 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 tie he has to PEDs for me would make me think that they would put a bit more pause on him. It's almost like Travis, if you are really really great. And you did steroids, everyone just kind of hates you, right? Because, like, yeah. you broke the game, right? Like, Bonds and A-Rod are the two main guys coming to my mind. Like, these guys put up the most unreal numbers and have steroid ties. So people were kind of bashing them for it. 
Um, Manny almost too, because Manny's peak seasons were really crazy. Um, but then a guy like Sheffield, who has just like these kind of ties to steroids, but he wasn't like putting up like you know sixty home run seasons. Um, it almost it almost uh, matters less that he did steroids, but yep. you know allegedly, right? Yep. So it's kind of funny how that works. But uh, he's someone to keep an eye on in the coming uh, ballots, Travis. But um, who else? Who else made notable and, games? And I will say uh, Sheffield, he is actually next year will be his last year. He is at year 10. So uh, I was going to point out. And he's, he's at, at what percentage? 55. He's going to have to oh. pull a Ted Helton so, or a Todd Helton. Uh, so Sheffield, I could see him in the future on a committee ballot, something like that. I could see in, in, in 30 years, you know, I think there's yeah. going to be a ballot of people that are going to say, you know what? We'll forgive the steroid, the steroid users. Honestly, I, I really can see that happening in the 20 years. I feel like they might say, we, we punished you. We made you wait like. Now you're kind of an old man, like, we'll let you come in now, you know, hopefully it's not too late where I know there's so many guys that uh, go on to be, you know, I think they had a, a I think it was last year, Alex, where um, wasn't it like seven guys, but only like, like two of them were there because five had passed away. But it was just, it was, I think it was like Gil Hodges and, and so many other guys that yeah. had just been, you know, it, at that point, to me, it just seems less special. And it's like, okay, really, we waited 60 years now to get this guy in like what are we doing you know now we're evaluating this guy 60 years after he retired what what what's what 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 exactly are we thinking i, right I think i've said before i i could see i could honestly see barry bonds getting in after he dies which is just so stupid yeah it's like yeah um the guy thinks he is obviously he knows he's a hall of famer yeah um, by the talent but it's like we're gonna punish you by making you wait even longer but gary sheffield though he is on year 10 he will of course have to pray and hope he gets the hail mary that todd helton got this year uh getting 20 percent of the vote but moving on alex will cover some of the other guys that um you know re received at least uh a nice increase to their totals but uh one guy it's it's kind of bittersweet he did get a good increase Jeff Kent, he got a 13.8% increase. He was at 32.7. He finished at 46.5, but it was his last year on the ballot. Unfortunately, Jeff Kent is now off the ballot. Um, he, of course, will have to go into a committee as well to see if he can get in, which I was a little bit disappointed with. Um, I, I heard a lot of analysts talk today, and they would have Jeff, and they had Jeff Kent on their ballots actually talking exactly how special he was. And we had, a, I think you did a great job yesterday researching the just looking at second basemans in history and how, and how Jeff Kent is such a special and unique second baseman when yeah. it comes to the power, the slugging percentage, everything he had to offer. But he, of course, is off the ballot. Um, some other guys that are, of course, interesting, you know, characters in the game, and, and, and we'll see exactly how they go about in the future years. But Alex Rodriguez, um, next year will be his third year. Manny Ramirez, next year will be his eighth year. Both guys are hovering around the same mark. Alex Rodriguez at 35%. Uh, and Manny Ramirez is at 33%. Both guys received a little bit of a of an increase. Manny was a 4%. A-Rod was about a 1.5% increase in their totals. So it, it's interesting. I, I almost look at that now and, you know, you have you have the big steroid users off the ballot. You know, you have Bonds and Clemens off. And now you kind of can look and say, like, is there only 35% of the entire voters? Are, are those steroid friendly? Are, are those people that are okay with steroids? Um it makes you think, you know, and wonder and analyze, you know, what's, what's the, what, what's the common theme with these voters? Do they, do they, do they look at those steroids and, and, and all those players that use them as, uh, you know, forgiving them and all that stuff? Or is, is, is it still something that they're going to be holding hard against these guys? I, I mean, right now I, I would have thought A-Rod would have had a nice increase this year, maybe a 10% increase, but a 1.4% is, I mean, that's nothing really that, that that's not going to do you much help right there. He had a really nice first year with 34%. Um, I was optimistic, but it just seems like it's really kind of slowing, slowing down now. Same thing with Manny Ramirez. Um, any, any, any reason you see those guys? I mean, Manny, right. Manny's going in his eighth year next year. I, I don't give him much hope um, at 33% right now going into year eight um, with Alex Rodriguez. He still has time. Things could change. Um, he could still be that nice boy on Fox. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> that everyone loves to hear every world series but uh give me exactly you know where, where do you see these two guys these, these are just very very interesting cases for the hall of fame right now yeah manny I, I agree with you i think it's unlikely just based on the trend and the, the limited number of years left a rod um for me he's a kind of a coin flip 
there's two paths you can go, right? And one path is what you're describing as like the nice guy on Fox, right? If he just can kind of win over the image and also maybe, you know, in eight years from now on his last time on the ballot, maybe at that point, the voters are much, they've almost moved on from steroids. You know, I, I could see that being the case potentially. Um, and if that is the case, then there's a much better chance for him to get in, obviously. And uh, it, it really, you know, his... You said it perfectly. The first year being up above thirty percent was a good a good first sign, and then this year only making very marginal gains, couple percentage points, um, definitely discouraging for his case. But I think there's a there's a chance for big leaps in his future as mm-hmm. long as he kind of continues appearances, right? With all yeah. these all the media, and you know he's trying to be very. Um, he's trying to be like a prominent media figure almost like yeah. I, I know he like is a part owner of like the Minnesota Timberwolves and like he's in business a guy. And, <laughs> yeah I, I you, you see him in different uh, baseball or football games in the stands and they're always showing him at you know whatever arena so he's definitely someone who's out there and he's trying to kind of whether it's intentional or not I think it probably is but whether it's intentional or not trying to kind of improve his image his standing in the common fans mind you know i always was someone who uh just had so much respect for the talent even though everyone always had the aroids nickname for him yeah. growing up so yeah. i mean I, I i i could see it going both ways for him um he's gonna have my vote going out as long as everything else remains the same in his you know kind of personal and off the field life I, I expect him to continue gaining traction i could see him kind of flaming out like bonds and clemens did up around like the the 60 percentages and just kind of like not being able to win over enough of the people. I could see that being the case, but I think as more new school voters get in and then as uh, time moves further and further uh, removed from the steroid era, there's a better and better chance. But he just has that that fact that he failed a PED tests that could end up being the nail in the coffin that just uh, kills his case. So we'll see how the voters react. I think, you know, five, six, seven, eight years from now. Yeah. But right now, um, him being in the 30s percentage points, you know, um, he's kind of in the middle where I could see it going either way. And I could see voters like every year giving him a 2% increase, but like they kind of just want to keep it low. And then Maybe he gets that Sheffield um, traction later on in yeah. the ballot cycle, and like seventh like, year jumps, yeah, fifteen percent. Yeah, because guys are like, oh, now we now we really need to start considering this guy because like we want to make him like think about what he did for like the next decade or so. It, so I, it's it's I, so stupid. I, I, there, there, there's a there, there's just definitely a waiting process that I feel like voters want to make certain guys like feel the pain or just feel like, like you guys you guys are yeah you guys write about the sport for yeah. a living. You don't yeah. have like the moral authority of like. You know, yes. some of these writers probably cheated on something else in their life one yeah, time. And yeah, who are, yeah. Who who are they to say that? You know, this guy's on timeout for eight years, and then <laughs> and then I'll think about voting. Exactly, for him. you put it perfectly. Timeout for for eight years, and then I'll put some serious thought into him. Let's get into some of the other guys that I think are in that category where I I don't really know where they're going. I I, I don't see them. There is a couple guys that may might have made some good traction in increases in in the in last year's voting from this year's voting, but I just don't know where it's going. I don't see them getting to seventy five percent ever. I just see them kind of being in this stalemate um, process part of the ballot. But Andy Pennett, he got about a six percent increase. He's at seventeen percent of the votes. Bobby Abreu actually got a nice little increase at a six point eight percent. He jumped from an eight point six to a fifteen point four percent. Jimmy Rollins got a 3.5% increase. He's now at about 13%. Uh, Mark Burley basically doubled his percentage. He was at a 5, and now he's at a 10, or about a 10.8. And then Torrey Hunter, he was at a 5.3, basically on the on the edge of the cliff from falling off, but was able to get a couple more votes. He's now at a 6.9% increase. So with Pettit, Abreu, Rollins, Burley, and Torrey Hunter, um, Good talent, but I mean, where, where do you see these guys kind of heading? Do you think this was kind of just a, um, do you think this is a start in the right direction for some of these guys? Or do you think it was just kind of a boost that some some voters just looked at and said, you know what, I'm going to give this guy my vote this year, um, but it doesn't really mean too much or anything. Uh, what, what, do, what do you make of these, these these uh, let's see, these five guys that are, are still, you know, they're, they're basically in the middle of the ballot cycle. They're somewhere between year four and six now. Uh, what, what do you make of this? I think a lot of it has to do with um, not that many locks, right? I feel like if there's like a ton of 
like locks. Like I remember the Jeter year, it's like almost everyone voted yes, for that guy. Yep. So when when someone's kind of saying, okay, I'll, I'll vote for Ro- for uh, for Roland. Oh, okay, I'm gonna vote for Wagner this year. Let me think. And then they have a couple spots left. You know, they're saying, okay, who who else do I like yeah. their careers? And oh, I like Troy Hunter's career, or oh, I like Mark Burley's career. I'm sure some of that comes from. Um, you know, the markets that they're from, maybe some Minnesota and uh, LA people liked Hunter's case, maybe yep. some Chicago people or t- Toronto for that short stint, liked Burley's case, you know, whatever it might be. I-, I can see that being the case for them to make some minor gains staying on the ballot, um, but not making, you know, these big leaps. I think it's just because people kind of say, hey, these guys were really respected veterans. I enjoyed their careers. They deserve consideration for yeah. this. I'm not sure if everybody that voted for them really thinks like, hey, this person 100% belongs in the Hall of Fame. Maybe some, some people do believe that. So um, it can go both ways. But I was going to say, too, maybe even they think that they got the vote last year, but those voters probably are just give, being nice to them and they just want to give them their vote. They're probably going to fall off this year. So I'm going to give them my vote so we can stay on the ballot. You know, I, I think some guys might think that as well, where it's like, I, I didn't vote for him last year and he actually kept the 5%. He's on the ballot. I want to give him my vote this year just to make sure he's still on the ballot as kind of like a, you know, just an honorable mention to to keep, keep staying on the ballot as, you know, a sign of respect and all that stuff. But I, I totally get what you're saying with, um, you know, some of these guys as a, some people think they are going to be hall of famers or they are, they are hall of famers in their minds, but some guys, uh, you know, they're the nice guy. They were just a good all around ball player, much like a Bobby Abreu, like you explained yesterday, just an all around good player. Um, you know, Jimmy Rollins where it's like, Oh, he had the MVP. He, you know, was had tremendous speed, um, you know, decent defense and all that. And, uh, and then of course, some of these pitchers like Pettit and Burley, um, high, high win totals, but, um, with all that, you know, it, it's it's just a group of guys. I don't really know where where it's headed. You know, I, I don't at all have a strong say that they're going to be in Cooperstown, um, at least not on this ballot or in this 10 year format ballot. I don't know about later on, but I just don't know about it right now. If I can see these guys really pushing through to 75 percent. Um, one guy we'll talk about, Alex, and it's just a short little stint, but uh only one guy got uh, basically uh, a drop in votes, and that was Omar Vizquel. We talked about it yesterday. He, you know, has been dealing. I think he's got some domestic violence stuff. I think he's just been doing. He just hasn't. I think his character has been affecting uh, a lot of people when they vote for him. So he's been losing votes every single year. I think he was in the thirty percent. Um, you know, I think it might have been higher. It, it might have it, been it, like it, almost it was, fifty or something. It, it, it was it was pretty high, and I was really confused on why people were giving him such a a high favorite considering consideration for the hall of fame when he basically was just a defender with just poor hitting so i mean yeah he was a contact guy but i mean again he just he did not at all ever hit extra base hits um he he was just known for his glove but he went from a 23.9 now down now down to a 19.5 percent so he dropped about four and a half percent um, and I continue, I, I can definitely see that trend continuously happening. I think he'll stay on the ballot all 10 years. I, I don't know if he'll ever get below 5%, but he's just that guy that'll keep on dropping and dropping and dropping. What do you make? I mean, I know we've talked about Omar Vizquel, but what, what do you make of this kind of trend right now? Yeah, I, I, I think it's obviously the character, like you mentioned, there's these concerns about, you know, different things coming out in the media. Uh, I think domestic violence, I think, um, I think sexual assault allegations. Um, and I think besides, I think there's also like somehow a PED like linkage. I'm like, you didn't have power. Like it just <laughs> yeah, doesn't yep. make that much sense. But um, I think even besides that, Travis, I think also his skill set has not aged well in the mind of the media. I think people kind of know like a guy who's just a slap hitter um, and his contact numbers weren't even that good, you know, in comparison to some other of the contact greats um, that are in the Hall of Fame. His conduct wasn't even amazing, um, and his power definitely was non-existent. Um, not a great on base either, and just had a pretty good glove. But like, even the advanced numbers don't say he he, he was no he wasn't Ozzy Smith. Is what, yeah. what I'm trying to yeah. say. He played for a really long time, so allowed him to get almost like 2,800 hits. But um, I think his skill set has aged uh, poorly. I think the modern voter uh, is leaning uh, more and more into valuing on base, into valuing power into valuing some more advanced defensive stats instead of just, you know, raw gold glove total. So um, I, I do think that there's uh, the combination of the character uh, concerns, and that's a big detraction from his case, of course. Um, for those that don't know, there is a character clause that 
the Hall of Fame voter is allowed to consider the person beyond just the numbers. So some people, some some voters don't care about character. Yeah. Some do. Just to so, so listeners. I think, that's, I think some people. That's all they care about is character. They don't care about the stats. <laughs> I, I I definitely am a believer in that, which I don't get at all. But so you, just so the listeners know that we uh, we're not making this up when we're talking about the off the field stuff. It is it is a part of some people's uh, qualifications. And yeah, I think the skill set just um, is not really what. It's almost like David Fletcher, like right, like I think. Yes. Yeah. I, I think if David Fletcher played in the 1950s or whatever, like like early early days, I could see him being like a several time All Star just because mm-hmm. you know, oh, he hit he hit 300 and he made no errors, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's like uh, I think that the people. Uh, media members of today kind of value okay what was the OPS okay what is the war and and Vizquel does not really stack up uh, as as well against other shortstops in, in in those numbers so that's why I think he's really dropped off and he obviously has no shot to make the Hall of Fame now mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. uh, completely dropped off yeah and and you said it best I mean I I I don't think we even considered him to be you know Hall of Fame stature when he first got on the ballot and. It just doesn't seem like it's going to go that way at all. So um, that basically covers, Alex, the guys that have been on the ballot for multiple years and are, you know, going towards that year number 10. So um, some very nice guys trending in the nice in good directions. Helton, Wagner, Jones, Wagner, like you mentioned, I think he honestly will be a pioneer for that reliever closer rule. You know, if your name's not Hoffman or Mariano Rivera, very slim chance of you getting into the Hall of Fame. I think Wagner now opens the door for so many other closers to, you know, get their name in on the ballot, stay on there, get some traction, hopefully get up to that 75%. Because I just definitely can see relievers now taking almost 10 years to get onto uh, into the Hall of Fame, just because you need that, that for some people, you need that much time to really think about a certain player. I think we both had our minds made up five years ago. But um, it's good to see a guy like him getting that traction. I want to talk about two guys that were first years that actually are going to be staying on the ballot for a second year. Um, first guy is our guy, Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod, um, a magnificent career with the Angels. Uh, the Basically, the, yeah, the single season saves record holder, 62 in 2008. Alex, he received 10.8% of the vote. I was very, very shocked. I was really happy as well. I was thinking if there's a shot he gets in, he's probably going to be somewhere around like a 5.5 or maybe a 6%. I think he'll barely sneak in if that's the case. But I mean, just a wow to start off his first year getting double digit percentage of the voting. I mean, I mean that, that just a lot of voters now have the respect for the closer and have respect for some of these guys and what they did in their career. So that's a very good shocking surprise right there. Um, and then the next one is Carlos Beltran. I mean, first year on the ballot, Alex, he gets a 46.5% of the vote right then and there. I don't even think the voters care about the 2017 Astros and right. the cheating scandal just because and I heard a couple different reasons today I think with the Astros winning the World Series this year that put a lot of that discussion to bed and then also I think they looked at his career in a total and they said I'm not going to let the worst year of his career the last season of his career really affect you know the the entirety or the whole of this guy's career he was a great postseason performer you can go back and check 2004 please do but then also looking at the regular season he was just always a high caliber all-star so give me your thoughts on those two guys that will be continuing this journey on the ballot yeah so i'll start with beltran i think that he's just someone who i'm not sure if i mentioned it yesterday but i think that he just made uh a lot of sense for the voters in some of the early ballots i saw being released in the weeks leading up to this um, a lot of people did like him. We're checking his name off uh, on their ballots. I guess the biggest thing, like you said, um, it's not like an Altuve or a Bregman where they were the face of that 2017 team and they had some of their best years on that. Uh, you know that 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 time of their career, uh, their peak was kind of scarred by the cheating scandal. Whereas Beltron, he had this great career and then just his last year is tied to this scandal essentially. So. I guess my thought is um, it will affect him less than those other guys. And I don't know if it's fair or not, but that's the way I kind of saw it. Uh, and that's the way it looks like it's unfolding. I, I imagine Altuve and Bregman, um, I guess others as well, Springer, Correa. Like I just always say Altuve and Bregman because they're still with the team and they 
um, I think had some of their best years during that stretch. Uh, I think they'll have more trouble um, on the ballots in the future just because uh, they were the face of this kind of movement or that kind of era yeah. of the team. So I, I guess I totally get it um, in Beltron's case of him not, not affecting him as much. Um, for me, for a long time, I did it did affect the way I viewed him just because I figured that he was one of the biggest proponents of implementing that system. And he really, uh, you know, that's just, that, that was just the rumor was that he was pushing for it. And, and then he got, you didn't get fired by the Mets, like in the first couple, like the first week that he got hired by them. He did. He didn't even like see so the it field. Just, it, right? it, it looked like his baseball life was just kind of crumbling. So it looked like there was some tarnish there, but the yeah. voters all already, have, it's almost like if he coached for like half the season and then got fired, like that would have been way worse for his life yeah, first. Yeah. But the fact that he just got hired and immediately fired um, because of the cheating scandal, it's like that almost helped the uh, – it almost doesn't even make it register in the media's mind because yeah. it just kind of happened so fast. But And then who was the other? Um, uh, K-Rod. Oh, yeah. Francisco Rodriguez, I'm very happy with um, the gains he made and the fact that he um, – is already in a spot, Travis. Where he's like, already higher than Rollins was year one. <laughs> that was my thought. Yeah, Scott Ro- Scott Rollins is uh, set a record for first year um, lowest percentage in your first year to still make the Hall of Fame. Now K Rod has the opportunity to do pretty much the same kind of track, and um, already being up around was it ten percent? Ten point eight. Yeah. Uh, already being north of ten percent, Travis is uh, to me just says this there's already enough people to have like your base and you're just going to have to build on your base. And I think that building on the base is going to be easier as time goes on as the closer role continues to kind of evolve. Um, because K rods from this era where it was early day, like, like, cause I think in the era before K rod and Mariano, it was all these relievers who, um, went multiple innings. A lot of them have a really high innings yep. pitch total, um, and then Mariano comes along and he has a really high innings pitch total because he was an insane workhorse, like, you know. And he was known for six out saves. I mean, he and was just known for coming in the eighth and just closing the game down. He, then. he had that ability and also he had the durability where every single season he was playing a full season and, you know, he was making the postseason, which voters like that too. Um, and then, but then you look at K-Rod and Papelbon and Joe Nathan and these types of guys, even I think, you know, a guy like, um, you know, we'll see how their careers end. But I got like even Kenley Jansen in, in the future on a ballot. It's going to be yeah. interesting because um, they have a good career saves total. But you look at the innings pitched and maybe you kind of wish it was higher. Or maybe you look at, you know, some of the peak seasons and, and you, you aren't that impressed. But I think that um, it's, it's mostly that's mostly just due to the way closing pitchers are treated by modern coaches. Right. Um I think that you don't you, you no longer see these you don't you, it's like Edwin Diaz this year had a couple six out saves yeah but you don't really see teams for the most part implementing their closers in the eighth inning routinely right mm-hmm. it's usually in, in it's like it's like in case of major emergency we're about to blow a major game put this guy in or else you know we're screwed and that's the only time you really see it happening so um, the the fact that you really kind of see these closers topping out at like 60, 70 innings pitched. Um, at the most, I think that's why you're going to see these guys end up their careers with, you know, 900 innings pitched. And for me, you can still be a Hall of Famer at that point. And yeah. Billy Wagner's kind of proving it. I think you mentioned earlier when you're talking about Wagner, he's kind of paving the way for other modern closers who don't have innings pitched over a thousand on their career. So um, I'm overall very happy with the with the gains K-Rod made in his first year. I expect him to build on it. I do not know yet if he is going to be able to build up enough of equity from the voters but i mm-hmm. do think that as time goes on the voters will be more and more forgiving and will have more uh they will have a better understanding of um these closers pretty much just were the best at their job and just because their job was lessened because of um the way coaches coach the game it shouldn't be on them so i i, I do like the k-rod case and i'm glad I'm, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm glad to say we thought he wouldn't even make it past 5%. Yeah, he, yeah. he doubled our expectations, so yeah. that's good for us. I, I was expecting uh, a 4.2 or a 4.4, something just right on the border of uh, of passing and getting the 5%. But 
um, was able to almost double that mark of 5% and get a 10.8. So, you know, looking at that, he could lose some votes next year, but at least he's still most likely going to stay on because like you said, he created that base. Um, he's going to get consideration for the next couple of years to come. I don't see him really falling back. I don't know why he would keep falling back if he already got that 10.8, um, especially if, you know, Possibly maybe if that single season saves mark is what's holding it there. What if that just doesn't get broken in the next 10 years? And then voters look at that and they're like, man, it's still a record that has not even been really touched. Um, K-Rod really did something special that season. So uh, we'll see how that kind of you know transpires and, and, and how that goes on. Um, but those are the guys that, of course, are you know trending in the right direction, got big boosts this, uh, this time around in the votes, or guys that, of course, did not really make a huge dent in in their percentage total increases or guys of course like Kent that are officially now off and will be um will be sent to basically a, a committee to get on into, into the hall of fame hopefully in the future but um going over some of the other results that came in on the first in first years um basically all the one and duns um bronson arroyo a or ra dickey john lackey mike napoli and houston street they all received only 0.3 percent of the total vote so I, I think that's that's maybe one or two votes or three votes or something like that and then matt kane jacoby ellsbury andre ethier jj hardy johnny peralta jared weaver and jason worth they all of course did not get one vote at all so um i it's funny i look at the point three and i i kind of am i'm not scratching my head but it's just i i, I want to know exactly who who thought that you know it's just a for fun vote. It, I feel it, like. it is a for fun i mean i i know guy i think you get what you get 10 votes yeah a lot of guys already have their five made up and they're like, you know what? I'm going to use these ones are just kind of like, these are my silly votes. These are my votes. I'm just going to give to, you know, guys I really liked covering guys. I was a really big fan of. I really liked that one season they had or that one postseason run they put together. So I'm going to give them a vote. But um, again, I, I think in, in years past, I mean, I can't really remember a year, but th this was the one ballot that there's a ton of first years that I just knew that these, these aren't even cracking, you know, a hall of fame level. Um, these aren't even cracking a 5% on the hall of fame level. So, uh, I think it really gave a lot of other voters the perspective of let's go out there and get Helton Wagner Jones, um, Sheffield, let's get Beltran a huge amount of votes. Uh, let's increase their percentages. Um, um, you know, let, let's increase their percentages up there. Uh, because you don't have a lot of guys to really think about. And maybe that's really the reason why a lot of these guys got high percentage, uh, you know, votes from previous years to now this year. But Alex, that covers majority of the 2023 Hall of Fame class. I guess we'll kind of just quickly jump over and cover just what we're going to see next year. It, it's actually a really exciting class. I mean, of course, we've we've seen these guys for a good or a great part of their career um it's it's uh it, it's a very nice list of all-stars guys that i know we 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 can definitely think of seasons and we were just we were just wowed by some of these players but maybe they just don't have the overall hall of fame stature that you know we would consider to be in cooperstown but i'll start with adrian beltre he'll be a, a first year joe mauer chase utley jose batista bartolo cologne adrian gonzalez matt holiday victor martinez jose reyes David Wright and Brandon Phillips. Those are the notable um, first years on next year's ballot. Alex, I'll say at least this. I, I am I'm confident. I, I'll, I'll bet money with you. If you want to do it right now, we can shake on it. Um, Adrian Belcher is getting in next year. Oh, I'm not going to bet that. Okay. I, thought, I, thought, I, thought, I thought you were going to be bolder. I thought you were going to say a different guy. Adrian Beltre, uh, first name I see. Um, He'll get over 75%. I think he has a 90 war or a 93 war. He's got 3,000 something hits, almost has 500 home runs, was just, I mean, a great defensive third baseman. He was such a fun player to watch. And honestly, his I know he had great days in uh, in LA for the Dodgers. And I know he, he spent some time in Seattle and then one year like in Boston. But I know his days in Texas with the Rangers were kind of the, the main highlight of his career. Um, I'm sure he'll go in as a Ranger when that day comes, but um, I would be shocked if he does not get 75% of the vote. Um, he he just was a guy that every single year, maybe not an MVP type player, but he was just always in that, um, just that top 5% of MLB players or at least MLB infielders um, and definitely was probably like a top five 
third baseman every single season. So Adrian Beltre is one guy that, of course, is going to get a lot of uh, should get a lot of votes. And then some of the other guys, I think, that are going to be, um, you know, higher on the ballots or at least should be getting over five percent. That's Joe Maurer and Chase Utley, um, two guys that I think will will not get in in first year, but will definitely make a huge crack at it next year and we'll get a lot of consideration in year two or three whatever it may be for some of these guys but so far with that list um what do you make so far of, of, of the guys that are going to be coming into 2024 do you think it's a little bit more of a deeper thought than 2023's first years yeah i think 100 yeah. percent. i think you and i would both agree with that there's going to be a lot more guys who in the first year make some big gains um travis the most interesting name for me on that whole list i mean there are other guys i like like yeah. i do like mauer i thought i thought you were going to say mauer first year and that's, oh. that's all i was like i'll have to think about that bet yeah but, yeah but, but um he'll be interesting mauer i i, I think he, he I, I I would bet over fifty percent, but I, I I just think that people are there's going to be some people that are going to still be afraid of you know eh, I don't I don't think about Joe Maurer in that fashion, but an MVP catcher that doesn't happen very often. So yeah, and just some great peak seasons on him. Uh, I Travis, the most interesting name for me um, is someone who I really liked watching growing up. Uh, this is New York Met third baseman David Wright. He was kind of one of my favorite players, but uh, non Angels uh, growing up. He is someone who really uh i've heard people say this before he would be a hall of fame lock if not for injury yes and travis you know what that tells me he's a hall of Famer. that he's a hall of famer <laughs> it, it's pretty simple like if you get hurt and your career kind of gets sidelined in your early 30s but you were already i mean after after age 31 season he played 134 games and then in that year in age 31 and after that he never played more than 40 games in yeah. a season um so pretty much you could say he was healthy through about age 31 even before that missed substantial time to injury in some of these seasons but um overall travis he accrued almost 50 baseball reference war and he only like we said he only was healthy really through age 31 yeah uh, he definitely, you know, for me, meets all the qualifications. I think his value is definitely understated. I think that, you know, it, it, look in his early years, he has, you know, several seasons over four war. He has a, a two, 2007, Travis, 8.3 baseball reference war. The following year, just short of seven baseball reference war. Another season was 7.1 baseball reference war in 2012. Um, really just uh, kind of year in, year out when he was healthy, was putting up almost MVP caliber numbers, played great defense at third base, also had the highlight reel to boot that everyone likes watching some of his flashy plays. I think an underrated hitter because the on-base is actually quite good in some of his peak years, um, even over 400 um, in 2007, but never really known for the high on base, you know, had a really solid average and mm -hmm. kind of just an all around, just pretty solid hitter. Um, could get doubles, had four straight years of over 40 doubles in his early career. Um, hit over 30 homers a couple times. So I think just a really well-rounded guy, even stole bags in his prime. So some speed for a third baseman. Um, I think there's so much like about David Wright's case. If I had to bet one way or the other, I'd bet that he probably does not get in when it's all said and done. Mm -hmm. But um, that would be really disappointing for me because I think he does deserve it. Um, Do you think he gets over 5%? Oh, I think without a doubt. I okay. think I think if okay. it gets under five percent, I'm gonna start like uh, it, it, it's I'm gonna a start a ride on Twitter. It, it's a debate, and I actually would not be shocked if he doesn't. I have him right now. I, I kind of gave my thoughts on those guys. I I basically made my list of who's gonna get over five percent. But David Wright's a guy that I would, you know, I I think he he will get over five percent. I want him to get over five percent. Um, but you're right, the injuries are what's gonna sideline him. And some guys might say. That's just not really part of my criteria or, you know, I want guys that are going to be healthier, have more of a um, just a just a higher volume of at bats or games played. But what's interesting and you kind of mentioned it, but he had 14 years played in the bigs for the years were under 70 games played. So you almost yeah. look at that and can say, you know, he probably played about 11 full seasons in the bigs. 11 full seasons with a 50 war. I mean, that's oh, I know. that's incredible. Yeah. That's really incredible. That just shows right there that the hitting and the defense were all so, so special. Even some of the speed as well. 27 stolen bases in 20 or 2009 for the Mets. But um, he's a special player. I hope he gets more consideration. I hope he gets higher than 5% to stay on the ballot because he's a guy that I would like to see um, 
debated and looked at statistical wise, you know, year in and year out on the ballot as we get, you know, higher and higher in the years. I, I want people to think more about what David Bright brought to the diamond and what he brought to the Mets. But I'm glad you wanted to point him out because he was one guy I circled, of course, that I am uh, I'm hoping for that he can get over 5% because I think he's definitely deserving. Um, other guys like Brandon Phillips, Jose Reyes, Victor Martinez, um, Matt Holiday, even Adrian Gonzalez, um, Jose Batista, you know, very, very good seasons. I think Jose Batista just came, he, he just basically started having success too late. I think he was like age 28 or 29 when he actually broke yes. in with the with the uh, Blue Jays. Adrian Gonzalez um, as well. He he had some very nice seasons with the Padres, with the Red Sox, with the Dodgers. But I don't think it's really just a full palette of, of Hall of Fame worthiness. Matt Holiday, of course, as well. Really good seasons with a bunch of different teams, the Cardinals and also the Rockies. Um, Victor Martinez with the Indians and the Tigers had some very nice seasons. Jose Reyes, he was a guy, Alex, I think like in 2007 or six. He was probably my favorite player to play with in video games. I mean, he had everything. He brought everything to the field. Uh, the speed. Um, the triples for days. The, the, the triples for days were so much fun and good defense. Jose Reyes was just a special player to watch and and see play out there. And then Brandon Phillips um, being a very good second baseman for those Reds teams. But, Alex, I'm going to give you a bold um, prediction. Bartolo Colon's getting over 5%. I could see it because I think part of it 247 wins and that's going to get him in I, the, the 5%. I think also there's just like there's something about the name recognition, right? <laughs> yes. It's like being yes. Bartolo Colon, everyone knows you had that Cy Young. Everyone knows you were up there swinging the bat at age 40 trying to hit a home run still. And um, I think all that kind of stuff helps. Um, whether or not it should play a role, I do know that the media, that kind of stuff does kind of factor into their mindset. So I, I, I could I could agree with you on that. I could yeah. see that happening. Yeah, I, I I personally don't think at all he's a Hall of Famer, but I just think that, Agreed. you know, being being a bold, somewhat of a bold statement, I think he'll get north of 5%. Um, Even I, as an Angels fan, Travis, I've said multiple times. It's not a good sign. <laughs> his yeah. Cy Young is not warned. It, it was, Johan, com it was completely Johan's award. Yeah. Um, the 21 wins were the only thing that is bolded on baseball reference that year. And that was just because he had the most wins because the Angels were a really good team. But um, everything else, when you look at Johan's um, skill set and the stats, it was all tremendously better. But um, for some reason, they gave it to, to him that year to take on the Cy Young. I think even Johan got like Johan like, didn't Johan miss five percent? Watch Bartolo get more yeah, Hall of Fame yeah. votes than Johan. Again, and, and that's a guy too that I mean was one and done. And again, I just I I, I scratch my head because you have Mark Burley up here for so many years, but Johan just I mean he had a prime that was like no other. But um, I I think Bartolo will get north of five percent. Yeah, I think also just the. Um, just what he brings, like just the um, the the vibe of Bartolo, like you said, he's swinging the bat at age forty. He's up there with the Mets. He's just hitting a home run. Everyone's so excited. I think he's just kind of like a a player that every average fan knows. Like, oh, that's Bartolo. He's like one of the biggest guys out there, um, and was actually you know surprisingly still putting up good numbers. I mean, twenty sixteen, he's forty three years old. He had a three point four three ERA that year with the Mets, and then at age forty with Oakland in twenty thirteen. Um, he had a 2.65 ERA with 30 starts and three shutouts, um, three complete game shutouts that season. He, he just has some kind of weird stats um, throughout his career. It's, it's not at all a pretty uh, statistical picture, I would say. I mean, there are, there's a lot of just, I mean, peaks and valleys when you look at the ERAs and when you look at some of the other stats. But uh, I mean, it's definitely a, a fan favorite and I'm not saying that's going to get him in. I just think that, you know, the Cy Young and I think also just with some of these um, good seasons in in weird places of his career, um, I think that gets him that gets him, you know, just north of 5%. But of course, if he does not get 5%, it's, it's at all. It's nothing um, to be completely shocked about. But Alex, I think that really kind of wraps things up when it comes to most of our Hall of Fame talk next year. It'll be really fun to talk about. I mean. Like we said, next year we're looking at Helton. We could be looking at Wagner, and then also be looking at Bel Beltre um, as, as three guys in in the Hall of Fame. And and that, of course, would be awesome to see uh, getting more of these guys in. It, it'll be a more of a a deeper thought next year in, in with some of these guys to to see if they're going to get votes or if other guys are going to give them their vote. But um, I don't want to completely completely write off Maurer's chance to be a first ballot. I don't no. think he will. I think he's a, I think he's in his, I would say I would bet his first three years. I think that's a, I think that's probably a fair bet. Um, 
I think part of it is, like you said, just being such a good hitter while he was a catcher and then having a little bit extra longevity because he continued to play uh, first base later in his career. But if you go on baseball reference, um, he's seventh all-time in catcher jaws. He's above mm-hmm. like all-time Hall of Famers like Gabby Hartnett and Mickey Cotrain, who are both guys from like, the 30s. Um, Ted Simmons, who's a Hall of Famer, uh, Mauer's above him. I mean, Mauer's only below... If I sort by, let me let me sort by, uh, let me, so yeah, what should I do? War 7, he's top 5. Wow. And so, 7 best seasons of war, he's only behind Gary Carter, Johnny Bench, Mike Piazza, and Pudge Rodriguez. Literally like four of the best catchers ever, and then you go to Mauer. Mauer's even above Yogi Berra. Yeah. Berra, I don't know how the Hall of Fame was back then, but I'm sure he was like uh, considered a first ballot kind of guy yeah, with his and, three MVPs and 10 rings. And I don't know how many catchers can say they've won the batting title. I, I think it's what, multiple times? Um, it is multiple times. Um, and a th- having a 365 average as a catcher, um, winning the MVP. One of the, one of the most complete um, catching seasons of all time. Joe Maurer, 2009. Go look it up if you haven't seen it. But um, he put together, I mean, just a just a just a prime time of of you know six seven years of just elite elite catching and elite elite hitting. Um, and, I'll and, say. and and in the patience too, with uh, with good on base throughout his career, mm-hmm. retired with a 388 on base and over a 300 average, um, and well over a you know a 439 slugging. He was not an insane slugger. The home run total was never that that crazy. Yeah, but um, was able to get doubles. Was able to be um, some extra bases there. So I mean, there's just. Um, such a threatening plate presence and all that for a catcher for me it's it's definitely a big deal and I think one thing people will say it's kind of like the David Wright thing is oh well he didn't really play that that long but I mean when you're a catcher 15 years I mean I mean just imagine the toll it takes on your body and I know he moved to first base I think it was around 2013 or 14 he moved to first base but um, yeah I I I I hope he is going to get in in the first couple years um, I don't I don't think he should wait too too long i think voters also alex going back to some of the voters that do certain things that are in my opinion stupid but i feel like some guys are saying like oh well like being a first ballot is like it's a it's a pride thing like we don't want to give it to everybody like it only comes to like a few people yeah the select few the the select few need to be first ballot joe mauer he's a hall of famer but you know what He's more of a second or third ballot. You know, we're going to put him in those years. We're not going to give him the first year because those are those are special players that are are you know on the ballot that need to be recognized. Those kind of years. So, um, th- that's one thing I see voters obviously you know probably looking at as well as as you know putting in other guys other than you know Joe Maurer in his first year, but keeping him in of course the uh, above five percent, which he will of course will get. Alex, another breaking news. Uh, Red Sox just traded for Alberto Mondesi, so they got they got their dream shortstop. Um, I think I think uh, they were <laughs> they were linked to like Haseon Kim like the day before, yeah. and then all of a sudden maybe they just the asking price was too high. All they had to give up was one reliever, uh, Josh Taylor, I believe, for yeah. um, a left-handed bullpen arm going to the, back to the Royals for Mondesi. That's a trade that I don't really get for both teams. Like it's just not moving the, the needle that much for yeah. either. I do think it gives the Red Sox some defense on the left side that they probably needed a bit, but um, the hitting is not good from Mondesi on the career at all. I think both the contact and the uh, patience on base are just not good. And He had the hype, but it just never, never played out. Yeah, he has tools. I mean, he has the speed, of course, but there's just not the... Uh, the hitting skills are just not there. I think both like the contact and the discipline are lacking, um, which, you know, maybe he can turn things around at some point. But, um, I, and also it's weird the Royals going for this like bullpen, like they've already added Chapman, they're adding Taylor now. It's like, what are they kind of building towards? You know, they don't, they, they just traded Michael A. Taylor and they just traded Mondesi. So I don't, again, I, you're right. I don't understand what, what's, I, what's going on there. I guess, I don't know. Maybe they just want controllable pieces. They can maybe try to flip at the deadline. We'll see what they try to do. But I don't know what um, Patrick Mahomes is cooking up in Kansas City because he's got a part-time ownership with that team. So I think he's pulling the strings, right? Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's behind it all. He's, he's the puppet master and he's he's basically making all of the uh, all, all the all the all the trades and go, all the free agent signings. So go stretch out that ankle sprain, Pat. Just ignore, ignore <laughs> Got a the big ba- game this weekend. Ignore the baseball for now. Go, go focus on, uh, go focus on the Bengals. Joey B wants, uh, he wants uh, that, that work. So yes, sir. But um, Alex, that wraps it up. I think with everything right now today, um, 
next couple of episodes will be fun. It's going to be starting to dive into the rankings. Emily Network's already made their rankings, or at least their shredder machine has already made their rankings. And we get to rip them apart. We get it. We get some have just been bad. So we got to say where they are right, where they are wrong, and we'll present our own top tens. We'll get into some World Baseball Classic news and World Baseball Classic rankings. Which teams do we think are the best? Which teams are overrated? We get to dive into all that stuff. In February, Travis, I'm so stoked for um, the preseason really ramping up now. Still some more free agency stuff coming down the wire, I'm sure. But, you know, most of the dust is kind of settled on that. And, yeah, I, I can't wait for, for more baseball. We, uh, yeah, we, I mean, we haven't had the World's World Baseball Classic in, what has it been, like five or six years or so? I mean, I, I don't really remember the last time it was. I think it was 2017 or Something so. Something like that, But yeah. I know COVID delayed some things. But I'm pumped. I mean, I... It's gonna- I, I got a taste with the FIFA World Cup, but now uh, with the sport that, of course, I watch the most, I'm basically getting that now. So it's going to be really, really exciting and, and something we all have been waiting for for, I think, years now because um, we always see the uh, Adam Jones robbing Manny Machado highlight on Twitter like yeah. every, we, we every couple some, months. We need it, some new highlights. I'm, I, th- that's a great home run robbery. Yes. And there's the hype is insane. Th- th- there's tons of clips, Travis, of when the Team USA won. They had all these like slap hit singles. I'll just be honest. They got lucky, you know. I uh, all these little yeah. bloopers just in between the second baseman and the first. I, I just yeah, it's just I, baseball, you know. So it is just baseball, but I I, I want to see a bit more. Just hit it, uh, hit it where they ain't. I, I want to <laughs> see a bit more uh, legendary, epic highlight moments coming this World Cup, and I think we're gonna get them because the Team USA is stacked with talent. You got Otani probably gonna be on the bump for uh, Japan. That's gonna be exciting. Ooh, Trout Otani uh, matchup. That's just that's. I mean, if, if Otani gets much if, must watch. If Otani gets a chance to start against. Team USA, that's just going to be like appointment television. Like everybody uh, flipped the channel. We're watching the baseball classic. And then Dominican Republic, Travis is one of the most hyped rosters yeah. as well. Um, and then just, there's just ta- talent littered throughout. Um, and Julio's the, batting ninth. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a special lineup. I mean, I, I think that that team is the best. I think it's the deepest talent pool. Um, but Team USA has guys like Trout, Betts. You know, it's going to be very exciting. Um, of course, we'll break that down more in the coming episodes. Um, can't wait to get into that stuff. But um, if you guys uh, made it this far, a little shorter of an episode, had to kind of do a reaction. Shout outs again. Congratulations to a Roland. Uh, you know, him getting in the Hall of Fame is uh, definitely a big deal. We wanted, we thought it deserved its own little mini episode. So. Um, If you made it this far, we appreciate your support. And thank you so much. We'll talk to you guys next. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast.